This is Donna Otto. So glad you're joining us. We are Modern Homemakers, and we're glad to come to you three times a week, every week, from September through June. We've been doing this for about 16 years now. I'm a pioneer in podcasting, and if you haven't heard me tell that story, my staff said, we think you should podcast, and I said, okay, let's do it. What is podcasting? So it's only been that many years ago that this was a new commodity to us. And now, of course, we see it everywhere. Thank you for joining us. We hope that we do what we set out to do, which is to encourage you. That's our entire, complete intent, to encourage you. And in four particular areas, who you are as a woman, who you are as a wife, who you are as a mother, and who you are as a homemaker. And we believe not only because of some passages that Titus uh, received from Timothy, um, Paul, about the ways that we are to encourage one another, but because we see that the majority of women in the world fall into two of those four categories, everyone, and most of us fall into all four. And you may be mothering an infant or you may be mothering a 50-year-old with grandchildren. But these mothering skills live with us and give us opportunity to not only mother but to mentor others as you get past the mothering years and encourage them in their mothering work. So today I want to talk to you, actually the next two days, about a wonderful tool that was given to me. I'm not sure, but I think it was the end of last year. Um, This is a small book written by Cynthia Cindy, C-I-N-D-Y, Bunch, B-U-N-C-H. It was a gift, and there's a wonderful foreword in it by Ruth Haley Barton, who I greatly respect. And this small book, when I say small, it's about four inches by six inches, easy to drop in your purse, has a total of 12 chapters, and each chapter is a few pages long, with topics that have to do with being kind to yourself, like paying attention to beautiful things, creating a new mental playlist, the God who sees me, discovering what's underneath, forgiving one another, gratitude, things I don't want to do. So, The next two days, I'm going to chat with you about two subjects per day. And I'm doing this because I lead a small group. I lead a number of small groups outside of my podcasting work. And one of these groups, um, I suggested we look at this small book together throughout the year. And we've been looking at it, and the girls have been selecting chapters that are important to them, and we take that subject for one of our times together during the week. So I want to start with Cindy Bunch's book, Be Kind to Yourself, and this is I Can't Believe I Said That, Speaking Kindly to Ourselves. Do you talk to yourself? 
How's your inner critic? Is it a steady stream of self-directed critical comments? Like, I can't believe I just said that. How can I back that up? Have you ever started one of those conversations and then decided you were going to try to fix it on the spot and you made spilled milk into sour cream? You just kept going at it. It can be difficult to differentiate between actions that are normal, like spilled milk, and actions that actually cause harms to others, like being rude to a server at a restaurant. Do you struggle with the inner critical self? One of the gals on the group said, I do. I struggle with it all the time. The first step for her was correcting this to recognize that most of us get stuck in this sort of negative cycle of self-judgment. And what do you find when you do this? And she referred to Cindy's book um, by talking about instead of berating yourself, What would you do? Instead of lapsing into negativity, what would you say to yourself? And the idea was, don't berate yourself more for start on one other track. Start on something that brings grace. Instead of beating yourself up, she was learning to look to Jesus and not only receive, receive his grace, but give herself grace. Learn to look to Jesus to offer grace even in our failures. The inner critic can be like a mean friend who tells you they aren't good enough to be in their crowd. I have a very dear friend who can be a mean friend. And there are times when I have to put my hand up to her and say, not today. We have this wonderful deep and long relationship where we really do say, pretty much everything. Like, what are you wearing that funny looking thing? Or, or, or. We've allowed that. But you know, there are days when I can't hear it, not from my inner critic, and I can't hear it for someone else. So I'm going to give you three passages of scripture. Psalm 23, 1 through 3, Matthew 6, 25 through 26, and 2 Corinthians 1-3. Now these are straight from the pages of Cindy Bunch's book. The Matthew passage is one that has always been very precious to me personally. And if you've been hanging around modern homemakers at all, you know that the Sermon on the Mount is a very important three chapters to Donna Otto. It contains what I believe uh, the way to walk in Christ um, in its totality. And I've read it and studied it and taught it. In Matthew 6, 25 and 26 is the passage where Jesus is saying about the lilies of the field. Are you familiar with that? I'm going to read it to you from my Bible. That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and 26. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Here comes the clincher. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And here's the question. Are you not more important more valuable than they are. And I want you to know that I think you know you're more valuable, I know you're more valuable, and sometimes that inner critic can be a terrible judge to make us feel that we're not as valuable as we truly are. 
The second concept for today is establishing good self-practices. And this chapter in Cindy's book is called When Life's on Hold, Establishing Good Self-Practices. When Life's on Hold. So what are good self-practices? Sometimes we get into situations where there's anxiety, there's major life stressors, health, kid issues, parent care, family stress, financial stress. These are things that come our way, not because we decide that on Tuesday afternoon that's going to fit into our agenda. They come our way because life has a way of moving itself into us and through us. And establishing self-care practices is something that allows us to encounter these um, surprise, difficulties, loss, these situations of stress that come into our lives. And if we have established good self-care, we will be able to handle them better. Better. You hear what I'm saying? Not perfectly, but we will be more prepared. So, do you struggle with good self-care? What areas do you neglect? Um, uh, Probably the one that comes to most of our minds, which is rest and sleep. Sleep and rest. A good night's rest. Later in the month, as we finish out this year, I'm going to spend a time with you um, on three words that I find very important and want to end our time together this season. Stop, rest, stop, rest, period. (laughs) Stop, rest, period. And I'll tell you my little personal journey with sleep. But a good night's rest, nap, So often we push ourselves and push ourselves. And if we stopped for a 10-minute rest, if we put our feet up for 10 minutes, we'd have significantly greater energy to finish the task instead of pushing ourselves to a place of complete and utter exhaustion. Now, I can speak about this very firsthand. I am a pusher. I get this in my mind that I say to myself, if I just get this done, then it'll be better tomorrow. It isn't better tomorrow because I can't even get out of bed in the morning. I have to take better care of myself. And I have to confess that I began these self-care practices maybe 30 years ago, maybe a little longer than that. But I was in my late 30s, early 40s, and suddenly there was more emphasis. It was in the years that my I was being formed and there were more formation practices, and I realized that I needed to be quiet. I needed to be quiet. I could talk 24-7, and anyone who knew me knew that that was true. They needed me to be quiet, but I needed to be quiet. And I needed to practice things that were good for myself, like resting, like taking naps, like eating better. I have been thin most of my life. When I was young and thin, there was something in my metabolism that ran like wild. The doctors used to say, if you could just bottle that, you could sell it, people would love it. It wasn't intentional. I was a relatively good eater. And then I started watching the pounds go on. And I needed the pounds, but I also needed to know when to stop. So I needed to learn to eat better. 
I also learned how to take long walks. I also began meeting with a spiritual director. I found things that would encourage me in my own self-care practices. So where do you meet God for your self-care? That is certainly an important part of good self-care. Do you have a routine? Do you have some formation practices? Do you have a place to pray? A place to pray seems like such a silly... Of course I have a place to pray, people will say to me, and I say, well, where is it? And then they look at me dumbfounded. I think having a place to pray, if that's where I started which was literally, I can take the scripture very literally, and it said, go to your prayer closet. I didn't have a prayer closet, but I had a closet. And I went in that closet and sat on the floor. The blouse area, where I had the blouses, I was organized. So the blouses were all in the same places, and they were shorter. And I sat on the floor with a pile of books and a Bible, and I closed the closet door. I still remember those fine memories I have of that quiet place on the floor in what was to be my new prayer closet. So where do you meet God? Do you have a closet? Do you sit? Do you stand? Do you kneel? I remember my next uh, adventure into a place was I needed a place that had no distraction. And I found that two corners in a room, if I put my chair into that corner, I could pray better than if I had my eyes open and I was looking around at all the things around me. So I encourage you to consider these kinds of engagements in a place to pray, in prayers to pray, in having a journal to write those prayers down. I encourage you to read the Psalms. Practice reading the Psalms where you will find all of your emotions here in the Psalms. God's emotions and how he describes those emotions to us. Anger, sadness, anxiety, grief, joy, hate. You can find all of these passages in Cindy's book. And I think we'll have, we'll put this up on our website so you can look for uh, the places to read in the Psalms about emotional relationship with God. Gratitude is certainly an important place to find good self-care, to manage yourself and have good self-care practices. So three of them I'm going to recommend. Sleep longer. Sleep longer. I don't know how much you're sleeping. Sleep longer. Stay in bed 10 minutes a day for a week and add an hour to your sleeping every night. Find a place that's quiet and prayerful. And if you have small children, maybe you take the advice of a woman I met many decades ago who said these profound words. No one at her house was ever hungry or thirsty till mama had finished praying. And lastly, I would encourage you to have a place of quiet, not prayer, not Bible reading, not Bible study, a place of quiet where you can go and sit with a book and be quiet. Your children can know where you are, but they'll not interrupt you, a place of quiet. Well, this is my first offering of two days together. 
in using Cindy Bunch's book, Be Kind to Yourself. I love the word kind. I think it is a word that God speaks to us about. It is his kindnesses that are everlasting. And if we are growing in how we have likeness to God, we will find kindness first to ourselves and then to others. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day, uncommon day of being kind to yourself.